0: Part two of the Confessions of Bill Hickman, who was one of Brigham Young's assassins who would kill upon command. Next on Polygamy, what love is this? We begin part two of Wild Bill Hickman's Confessions, (laughs) which is published in a book entitled Brigham's Destroying Angel, being the life confession and startling disclosures of the notorious Bill Hickman, the Danite chief of Utah, and it was written by Hickman himself, and you can read the entire book for yourself if you want by downloading an archived copy at the link on the screen. It's a long link, but you can get a PDF copy of that for yourself if you want to read about it. This book Reveals uh, some very interesting and oh, well. shocking, shocking information about the murder and the violence of the early Mormon pioneers when polygamy ruled, Brigham Young reigned, and the law, according to
1: Mormonism, prevailed. I wonder how he felt he couldn't be caught. I mean, murder is kind of
0: in Mormonville, you know. They and <laughs> the Mormons tell the government sent the troops. Yeah. There was no other law.
1: Well, that's true. Then they
0: started sending people to be their governor, and then they started sending judges, and and still, I mean, we read in the last one how even in court they would cover for themselves. Yes, that's true. So there was so, a lot of
1: just dastardly deeds going on. Worry about <laughs> getting put in prison or anything.
0: Yeah, well, you would think. Yeah. You would think, but. Um, and and we mentioned last time that Mormons tend to carry around the persecution complex. Yeah. And like I said, as a child growing up in the polygamy group, there were numerous times that our lessons included the awful persecutions that were done to the early Mormons, but we did not know that they themselves had instigated a lot of the violence themselves. And again, we need to say that although we do not and cannot support any kind of violence and retribution in religion or in society, it was because of their own violent beliefs and polygamy and things like that that the Mormons were subjected to violence. Mm -hmm. So we begin with chapter 4, which covers the years of 1854 to 1858, Green River County in Utah was organized by Brigham Young, and uh, he gave instructions to employ, appoint Hickman as sheriff.
1: Oh boy! So, <laughs> Talk about putting.
0: So, a, so that answers your question. Wolf justice. in the hen house or whatever. <laughs> uh, and because he wanted to have power over the mountaineers, Brigham wanted control of all the people, incoming yeah, population. I'm sure, he did. And Judge Appleby gave Hickman the offices of sheriff, like Brigham Young said, but also of the county prosecuting attorney, uh, assessor, and collector. Hickman he said he didn't want all that responsibility, but he had to obey counsel. He had to do what Brigham Young ordered him to do. Mm-hmm. During his tenure of service, he writes this story about another judge, W.W. W. Drummond.
1: Okay, about this time, Judge W.W. Drummond had been holding a term of the district court and had with him a woman whom he had picked up in Washington, leaving his wife and family, and had this prostitute sitting on the bench with him when trying a case of murder. She was writing billets and passing to him while on this judicial bench. I heard this in Salt Lake City a few days before leaving for Fillmore and made an assertion on the street that if I had a murder case before him and he had that woman on the bench, I would kick them both out of the house. He heard this before I got to Fillmore and issued a bench warrant for my arrest for contempt of court. I heard of it when I got in town, and said if he served a writ on me, I would horsewhip him. It was not served.
0: It was not served. <laughs> right. So there you go. It illustrates yep. Hickman's reputation that that he was a man of action and he
1: protected him. and
0: was even to be feared by the judges. Yeah. Sounds like it. So there's your answer to justice. <laughs> In the fall of 1857, military troops had been sent to Utah, and Brigham Young determined to never let them come to Fort Bridger, which was a post that was owned by the Mormon Church. The Mormons set out their own troops to stop the military troops from coming to Salt Lake City. They burned the the military supply wagons wagons and set loose their ox. Again, can you imagine this happening in today's...
1: Yeah, <laughs> especially going up against the U.S. military. Right, right. So he wrote this. The soldiers who had been in charge of the burned train all started for Alexander's army and left the oxen running loose. Smith did not want to return until he had burned another train. I left after dark, gathering all the oxen I could find, about 275, for Bridger, and got there the next day at noon in the midst of shouts and hoorays. Smith went back about 20 miles, found and burned another train, and then returned to Bridger. Their provision trains after that were guarded, and when all were safe in the United States camp, on Ham's Fork, all stock, horses, mules, and cattle were kept under strong guards. Our troops were to be seen on the hills in every direction, taking good care to keep out of gunshot. I was sent to the mountaineers to tell them to keep out of the way, for we intended running off all the stock we could, and theirs might be in the way and get run off with the balance. Most of them obeyed, but some did not.
0: So there you go. <laughs> Intrigued in there. Early Mormon Utah. <laughs> yeah. It should be no, <clears throat> no secret by now that the early Mormons despised the United States government. and John Taylor yeah. was one who really gave some burning sermons about it. Uh, and they despised the laws of the land. Sure. They fought against, or they just ignored its laws, and they fought against the military whenever they had opportunity. There was a man by the name of Yates <clears throat> who was captured because they suspected him of spying on the Mormons on behalf of the military. And Hitman was supposed to take him to Salt Lake City. And on the way, he was told that Yates should be killed.
1: We mm. quote. Supper was brought to us and Yates soon went to sleep on his blankets. Flack and Meekum spread their blankets and soon went to sleep also. I told them to do it as I would guard the prisoner until I called them. My brother, being a Gentile, had been sent on to the next station, some ten miles ahead, on business. I remained at our campfire until eleven or twelve o'clock that night, several coming and chatting with me. About this time all was still, and everybody supposed to be in their beds. No person was to be seen when Colonel Jones and two others, Hosea Stout and another man whose name I do not recollect, came to my campfire and asked if Yates was asleep. I told them that he was— Upon which his brains were knocked out with an axe. He was covered up with his blankets and left laying. Picks and spades were brought and a grave dug, some three feet deep, near the camp by the firelight, all hands assisting. Flack and Meekam were asleep when the man was killed, but woke up and saw the grave digging. The body was put in the dirt put, was put in, and the dirt well packed on it, after which our campfire, which consisted of small wooden brush was moved onto the grave in order to prevent notice of a change of ground. There you go. <laughs> so they hid the,
0: hid the burial spot. And again, there's no trial, there's no evidence, there's no jury, no witnesses, no judge, no justice. Wow. <laughs> we know a higher justice, don't we? Yep. To make the situation even more blood curdling, Yates had $950 that they took from him and thinking Brigham Young would let them divide it between them for their expenses. As Hickman gave him the details of the murder, Brigham said that they had done a right and a good thing. And then Hickman told Brigham that he and his companion should have Yates' money Makes to cover sense. expenses. And this was Brigham's response.
1: I then told him I had $900 given me to bring in that Yates had had at the time he was captured. I told him of the expense I had been to during the war and asked him if I might have part of the money. He gave me a reprimand for asking such a thing and said it must go towards defraying the expenses of the war. I pulled out the sack containing the money and he told me to give it to his clerk. The money was counted and we left. This knocked all the Mormonism out of flack and he has never had a speck of it in him since, making many observations of this and other things, of hard work, obeying Brigham Young, and never allowed one dollar for all he had done. Wow. Knocked knocked the religion right out of (laughs) flack. Knocked
0: Mormonism right out of him and never had any of it since. I liked that phrase. And you know, it's interesting because I've read other accounts, written by different people of that period of time, Brigham Young's rule of uh, Mormonism. And every single one of them talked about his stinginess with money and how he would really. have things done and then cheat him out of the money out a payment for it. Everyone and they're all different people, different authors. And,
1: so so many sources to,
0: Yeah. So it, yeah. you know that many sources it could you could hardly just brush it off as being hearsay.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: He he next tells of the incident when Brigham Young told him to go kill a man who had been stirring up some trouble. His name was Buck Uh, Hickman writes that the man Buck was shot through the head, thrown across a fence into a ditch, and then a rag was hung on a bush to identify the location, and then later some other men were dispatched to locate the body and bury it. And when it was reported to him, Brigham Young said he was glad. Of it. During that time, there were murders and thefts that Brigham had nothing, or Hickman had nothing to do with, but his reputation convinced people that he was guilty of crimes that he didn't commit. (laughs) And he generally didn't deny it, which Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. But Hickman was getting pretty sick (laughs) of Brigham, of his high handed ways, his pettiness, and his stinginess. In the middle of chapter five, the editor inserts some of his own thoughts regarding Mormonism and we thought that we needed to share a couple of those thoughts. Mm
1: -hmm. From these Old Testament records, Mormonism draws the inspiration of its doctrines, polygamy along with the rest. Then all the native earnestness of Hickman turned to religious fanaticism. Anything was God's service which built up the kingdom. Anyone who stood in the way was an enemy of God. Brigham was the mouthpiece of God to this generation and Hickman was to obey his orders even to smiting all who would hinder the march of Israel but there came a time when he could no longer believe so implicitly his first <coughs> excuse me his first doubts by his statement were caused by the numerous prophecies uttered by Brigham before the Mormon war every one of which proved untrue familiarity breeds contempt even with a prophet there are so many petty meanness meannesses in the business management of Brigham Young, so many social errors and personal injustice that a majority of those who know him most intimately are apostates. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't even didn't even keep their keep their loyalty.
0: Right, right. When they once they knew who the pro, what the prophet was like, they would come to the same conclusion. How could that be a true prophet of God if, yeah. if that's how he acts? Yeah. If that's how his behavior be? and his beliefs? Right. And that's that's an honest assessment. It sure uh, we is. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us we're supposed to test all things yeah. and hold on to the good. It doesn't say obey the prophet. And because they, they won't need us to stay. Well, certainly
1: not Never's, blindly. And, right. And when you see things that aren't godlike or Christian, you wouldn't. You need to you test. would think to challenge that. You need that. to test it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and and we were talking about this even before we started to tape that praying is so important and it is so important, yeah. but there's some things we don't need to pray about. <laughs> the Bible says, "Thou shalt not murder."
1: So (laughs) we don't need to pray if
0: we should go murder this person, or if 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 a person who orders us to go murder that person to pray if he's a prophet. We don't need to do that. We already know he's not. Yeah. You know, there's just some things justification, yeah,
1: rationalization for exactly,
0: yeah, exactly. And Hickman did. He killed on orders of Brigham Young. He knew that he had killed at least one innocent person. He killed uh, that those that the church said were guilty. He killed at the whims of Brigham Young and Orson Hyde, and then he writes, he began killing according to his own whims. Hmm. Boy. Chapter 6 covers the years from 1858 to 1865. By 1860, Hickman wanted to get out of Utah, <laughs> but he knew too much, and it was almost impossible to safely break away, both from Utah and from Mormonism. Hickman's story describes the lawlessness in the early days of settling the Mormon West. The guilty parties were both Mormons and non-Mormons. Um, but shouldn't the Kingdom of God be held at a higher standard?
1: <laughs> you would think so.
0: Valid question. Yeah. We quote.
1: There was little attention. <clears throat> excuse me. There was little attention paid to any violation of law there, unless it was a case that was prosecuted by some of the principal men of the city. Their idea was to kill those they did not like, whether guilty of anything or not, as had been done to hide their own crimes as well as to vent their spite, regardless of right or wrong. There was nothing uncommon transpired in sixty sixty one more than every once in a while some body being killed, some Mormons and some Gentiles. Some, it was said, was for stealing and some for seduction, while some of the greatest scoundrels ran, ran untouched."
0: Further answer to your question of where was the Mormon justice there? At one time, Brigham Young wanted General Connor used up. And he told Hickman he was the one to murder him and make it look like the Indians did it, which is exactly the, their mode of operation for the Mountain you, Meadows Massacre.
1: Yeah, blamed Indians for a lot of things, didn't yeah, they? I yeah, yeah, they
0: dress up like Indians and go yeah. do so it. So
1: Hickman wrote this, Now, says he, you are the man to do it. You travel with him as pilot and guide, and you could easily do it, and it could be laid to the Indians. You can have a great deal more money than if you had kidnapped him and taken him to California. Then I spoke up to Brigham Young for the first time in my life and said I would not do it, that General Connor was a good man and the best officer ever in Utah, and I knew him to be an honorable man. And what is more, said I, it shan't be done. I will see to that myself, I will look out for that. I was rash and stirred up and spoke sharp which had not been the way with us in talking to Brigham Young. Whoa, that took some
0: courage. And I
1: would think Brigham Young probably had a little pool of assassins. So I would imagine Hickman would be a little afraid to or yeah. realize that he may be putting himself out there yeah. if he was Exactly. Yeah, he probably wasn't the and only he, one that did it.
0: He knew too much. Yeah. yeah for and sure. we talk about that in a minute that yeah. that he knew Brigham Young too well. Brigham Young knew him too well. <laughs> right. <laughs> And, and, of course, after that, after this, Brigham, uh, Hickman was Brigham Young's target.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, of
0: course, the Danites, that's where the Danites got their name, is from all these people, this pool of people yeah. that would go out and do Brigham Young's bidding. Uh, Hickman was now hated uh, by the Mormons for working with the government, and he was faultly, uh, falsely accused of cattle thievery. His own cattle and horses were stolen, and one of the Mormon bishops said there was no harm to kill and eat Hickman's cattle. You know, it doesn't
1: matter.
0: <laughs> you just don't backtalk Brigham Young and you buy with it. So his cattle and most of his livelihood were ruined. And he asks a question.
1: Well, what next? I was one of those men who had a plurality of wives and had children by them all. I had as quiet a family as anyone I ever saw of that kind. And what I had done in that matter, I had done all in good faith. I had not violated the congressional law of 62, prohibiting polygamy. Neither did I ever expect to. 58, being the last year, I had taken a wife. I felt under obligations to take care of my wives and children, but to use their own language about me, they seemed determined to use me up. We know that phrase. Mm -hmm. The bishop and others would say to my wives that I was a bad man and commence persuading them to leave me. And they would see that they took their children with them, and I should give them all they would ask.
0: So s- some, mm. of, some of their grammar is a little bit hard, yeah. you know, from yeah. to into today's talk, the way we talk, but still we get what he said. Uh, And their plan worked for a while. Their plan against Hickman worked for a while. Um, When he asked his wives what he had done to receive this treatment from them, they said that he had been with the Gentiles and with the dirty government officers and betrayed them. And they accused him of giving General Connors information that was taken to Washington against the Mormons. Well, Hickman denied that he gave any such information, but they refused to believe him. Now, about that time... One of Joseph Smith's sons came to Utah from Illinois and spoke against Brigham Young for his misconduct and digression from the principles of Joseph Smith's Mormonism. Mm -hmm. There was no love lost between the Utah Mormons and the Illinois Mormons. Hickman had liked Joseph Smith, so he met with his son and they had a nice long chat. (laughs) That was the final straw. Hickman was damned by the local Mormons, and he feared for his life. So he sold his farm and all of his farm equipment, and he said he was abused by every low dog that came along and was called an apostate. A friend informed him that Brigham Young's spies were watching the roads with orders that as soon as anyone saw Hickman leaving, they were to kill him. Hmm. So he knew Brigham Young. Yep. And instead of trying to finagle a way out, he went right straight to Brigham Young and talked to him face to face.
1: Good for him. And
0: he denied any knowledge of any of it, Brigham did. But Hickman knew too much. He had worked as Brigham's secret assassin for too long, and he knew the truth about Brigham. Well... And Brigham knew he knew the truth about sure it. too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brigham promised to let him alone, but Hickman feared leaving his children to grow up under this influence, and so he changed his mind and decided to stay until they were grown up, and then perhaps there would be more freedom in the territory so that they could all leave safely. However, Brigham didn't keep his word. He was intent hmm. upon destroying Hickman because he knew too much.
1: Obey Brigham Young's counsel and that of his bishop. Many is the time the people have been taught that the Bible, Testament, and other books of the former Mormon faith were of no use, that those things were good enough in the time of them, but now we had the living oracles with us, and that all the divine record was of no more use to us than an old newspaper. Brother Brigham was our Savior. He would lead us to heaven. He held the power of salvation for all in his own hands, and had his officers who administered, such as bishops, etc. The great and all-important teaching to the people is, Obey your bishops, pay your tithings, and you are sure of being saved. This may seem strange to those who have never heard of such things before, but I assure you, there are hundreds in this territory who are sanguine, sanguine in this belief even now. And as for Mormonism, there is no such thing in this country. It is all brighamism and should be called so. (laughs) He gets right down to brass tacks here, doesn't he?
0: Uh, Of course, we don't have time to go into all the details of the rest of Hickman's life or Brigham's dastardly deeds. One question I would like to ask or uh, that I'd like to mention uh, after what you just read is, why is Jesus not mentioned at all in the salvation of these Mormons? It's, it's always the prophet. It's always the, the ism, not Jesus. Well, he even
1: says Brigham's the Savior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and your salvation is and, obeying and tithing.
1: Yeah, and the Bible is just like an old newspaper. An old
0: newspaper. Isn't that awful? Just chuck it, yeah. Well, we don't have time, of course, to go through all the details of the rest of Hickman's life or Brigham Young's life. You can download, like I said... Uh, uh, an archived copy of this in PDF and read it all for yourself if you're interested in further studying through this. But in closing, we do want to quote from Sandra Tanner's research about Hickman and the Danites of early Mormonism.
1: Yes, this is from the Salt Lake City Messenger, issue number 77 on page 11, and you can find it at utlm.org. Right. Almost everyone agreed that Bill Hickman had committed many murders... After Hickman became disillusioned with Mormonism, even Apostle Woodruff spoke of his damnable murders, that's in Wilford Woodruff's journal, that Hickman could commit the atrocious crimes he did while the Mormons were in power without being punished seems to show that he was being protected by church leaders. These leaders did everything they could to make it difficult to enforce the law. By the time Hickman confessed to his crimes, the legal system in Utah was in such disarray that neither Young nor Hickman had to stand trial. <laughs> so uh, Brigham Young was spared. Yeah,
0: he was spared, and so was Hickman, actually. Yeah. you know, and He admitted to all of his deeds. He wrote this while he was in jail, actually. Um, but...
1: Confession you know, is good for the soul. That's what they say.
0: And who knows what he did, you know, with yeah. how his soul ended up, if he confessed to Jesus or not. But, you know, people will say, they may justify all this and say, well, the Old West, you know, it was violent everywhere you went. It, didn't, it wasn't yeah. just Mormon country. It was everywhere. It was yeah, violent and hard. a rough and, life. And, and it was a rough yeah. life and all that. But there was still, in, in many of the areas, yes, there was violence going on, of course, uh, just like there is today, but there were still peaceable people, people who read the Bible, who believed in God and who lived a peaceful life and cities and 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 um, sheriffs and and the people that judges and all that who were not uh, able to be corrupted. Right. But the, not these guys. No. You just and then, again, this isn't the only account.
1: No, there's many. There's other. so
0: many others. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, we have no trial for Brigham or Hickman, and no justice on this earth accomplished. But yeah. one day,
1: <laughs> they will.
0: They will face justice. They will face the judgment seat of God, yeah. and then justice will be done. Nobody gets by with anything. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. Uh, again, you can read the rest of the story by downloading the PDF well, and getting the information. It's fascinating. That. Wow. It is fascinating. I read this book years and years and years ago, and it just kept coming to my mind recently. And I thought, well, maybe it'd be interesting yeah. to present this to our viewers. And Well, then- it's,
1: it's almost shocking, really, that uh, he, the, there would be this admission of things that he had done and
0: mm-hmm. that Brigham
1: was so involved in it. And, and
0: for me, the shocking point was like, that Brigham was involved in it and that they could call themselves the kingdom of God, God's favored people, his special people, his holy people, holy Israel. All of these things they refer to themselves and then they condone and, and have this kind of behavior.
1: Well, I was thinking as we were reading this uh, one part that uh, I was wondering if you have no- had noticed that if you had people in the co- polygamous community who did go to other people or visit apostates or read the wrong thing or watch the tv show or something that they shouldn't are they ostracized and are they if they in the polygamy group if they find out about it they're
0: encouraged not to naturally naturally if they find out about it then they're lectured oh you can't do this blah blah blah. it'll destroy your faith and blah blah, blah then you'll get Go to eternal hell and and all of this stuff. So there's a lot of threats and a lot of fear involved. with And if it. you
1: became friends with the Gentile but sheriff, then for there's some
0: bad. There's that that can be bad. It can turn out bad for you. Bad. It depends on what the leader decides to do. But he can tell you that you're out, and they'll then they'll shun you, and then the people yeah, in the group can't have anything to do with you.
1: And they and they'll all follow that, even though they may like him or be related to them. Mm-hmm. But the, okay, right, the the right. words out we're going to shun this person.
0: Right, right. And then they'll, they'll do just like they did in early Mormonism, what we read here. They will make up crimes against you. Well, I've seen the Mormon church do that, where somebody leaves the church and they'll say, oh, they were involved in some dirty deed and yeah. they had to leave and, and all that. When when really they were just as innocent as can be. They just found out the doctrine well, was all
1: wrong. Those crimes, yeah.
0: Yeah. So thanks, Earl. Yeah. Thank you. It's interesting to read yeah, through is. some of these things. Thanks. You know, Hickman wrote that he had followed the Mormon view on polygamy and had taken ten wives and did so according to what he thought was the right thing to do. Hickman and all the other polygamists should have checked their Bibles to see what uh, it had to say if it was the right thing to do. The Bible never commands polygamy. There's no passage that condones polygamy, and it doesn't render a person eligible for godhood, nor does it ever say polygamy is an essential to merit favor with God. Poly- and Mormons who are always claiming God has said something or revealed something new, you need to check it out because Jesus is our Savior, not Mormonism. Jesus is our mediator, not Mormon priesthood or polygamy. And God uh, speaks to us during these times through Jesus Christ, not through a prophet, a priest or Latter-day Revelation. Choose Jesus, he alone can be trusted, and he alone has the power to save us. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by a Shield and Refuge ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free
1: from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.